This afternoon, we are focusing on Lord's Day 11 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 11. Why is the Son of God called Jesus, that is, Savior? Because he saves us from all our sins, and because salvation is not to be sought or found in anyone else. Do those who seek their salvation or well-being in saints in themselves or anywhere else also believe in the only Savior, Jesus? No. Though they boast of him in words, they in fact deny the only Savior, Jesus. For one of two things must be true. Either Jesus is not a complete Savior, or those who by true faith accept the Savior must find in him all that is necessary for their salvation. As far as the reading of the Catechism. <clears throat> Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we focus on Lord's Day 11 this afternoon, the essential questions we're looking at this afternoon is this. Does Jesus Christ need any help in saving us? Does he need any help in saving us? Or we could maybe look at it in a different, different way. Does Jesus only give a partial salvation, leaving us to fill in the gaps that he left behind? Or does he save us all the way? All the way. <clears throat> now, certainly the fall into sin caused much devastation. We have a sinful nature inclined to all sin. We are unable to keep God's law. In our fallen state, we are under the curse, and death is the penalty we face. It might seem impossible to save us from that, hence the question, does Christ need any help saving us? Or can he only provide a partial salvation? Or maybe we, we might wonder, is he perhaps unwilling, unwilling to save us completely? After all, we don't deserve anything from God We've sinned against him too. Is he unwilling to save us completely? Maybe we have to contribute something before he saves us all the way. But as we hope to see this afternoon, Christ does not need any help in saving us. And he does not leave us to fill in the gaps. But he gives us a complete salvation. So as I preach to you God's word this afternoon, I'll do so under the following theme and points. Complete salvation is found in Jesus Christ alone two points. First, Jesus Christ is the only Savior appointed by God. And second, Jesus Christ is able to save completely those who come to God through him. <clears throat> so the, the catechism begins, Lord, say 11, by asking, why is the Son of God called Jesus, that is, Savior? The answer is because he saves us from all our sins and because salvation is not to be sought or found in anyone else. Jesus. 
His name means salvation or Savior or the Lord saves. The Lord saves. Now, as we look at Scripture and see how did Jesus get this name, who gave him this name? Of course, it was God the Father who gave him this name. Before he was born, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph, saying, You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. By giving Jesus his name before he was born, the Father was showing us that he, he had appointed this person, Jesus, to be our Savior. It was his idea. And, and God the Father, he has given a name like this to no one else in Scripture. Right? Sometimes in Scripture, God gave someone a name. But he gave no one else a name like this, Jesus. That's because he appointed this person to save us from our sins. Now, when God appointed Jesus to be our Savior, he was acting according to the covenant he made with his people. Now, again, what is God's covenant? We use that word a lot. What is God's covenant? Essentially, it's the relationship between God and his people. That's simply what it is, the simple way, the relationship between God and his people. Now, we must keep in mind God's covenant with us is not a relationship between equals. He's far greater. Uh, He's the creator. We're only creatures. We are sinful people. He is holy and pure. And because of that difference between us and God, God and God alone gets to set the terms of the covenant, the relationship between us and him. Only God gets to decide how it will work. And that means that he alone gets to choose who will be the Savior. He and he alone gets to choose the mediator, the one that goes between us and God. We can't do that. See, God's covenant is not a democracy. We we can't nominate someone or pick someone we think is pretty holy, and choose that person to be our Savior. It doesn't work that way. God's covenant is not a democracy. No, he chooses who will represent us. And in fact, if we we approach God through someone else other than the Savior and mediator that he himself has chosen, then we will find that we are rejected. We will be rejected by God. We would be guilty of, of breaking his covenant. Because he sets the terms of the covenant, we do not. That's why question and answer 30 rightly says, Do those who seek their salvation or well-being in saints and themselves or in anyone else also believe in the only Savior, Jesus? And the answer is no. No, we, we can never seek salvation in someone else. That's acting outside the terms of God's covenant that he has established That's acting outside the chosen mediator that God himself has chosen. So God gets to choose. And he has appointed Jesus Christ, his son, to this position, and him alone. 
Hebrews 9, verse 15, plainly tells us Christ is the mediator of the new covenant. We see that from our reading from Hebrews 7 also. There Jesus Christ is called the guarantor of the new covenant. The guarantor. It means he's going to guarantee and bring about the blessings God promises in the covenant. Blessings such as the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Christ is the guarantor of that covenant. He's going to bring about those promised blessings. If we look for someone else, we will find that the blessings of of the covenant have then been forfeited. No one else can bring us those blessings but Christ. He's the guarantor. And if Christ being made the guarantor of the covenant were not enough, look, look what else God has done to assure us that he has appointed his son as our savior. Hebrews 7 also says that God has set Jesus apart for an eternal priesthood by swearing an oath. Hebrews 7 is teaching us Jesus Christ was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever. And again, a priest is someone who goes between God and people. Well, think for a moment of the significance of this oath that God made about Jesus Christ. See, why would God make an oath? He doesn't need to make an oath. His words, they're always trustworthy. You can always count on them. You can always count on his promises, whether he makes an oath or not. But yet God made an oath. Why did he do that? Well, when God makes an oath, we had better pay attention. Because he's assuring us of something that will certainly come about. It's for us, primarily. Look at what Hebrews 6 tells us in this matter. When God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. See, God did not need to make an oath to Abraham in order to fulfill his promises to him. God's always faithful, no matter if he makes an oath or not. Why did he make that oath to Abraham? Verse 17 says that God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose. And so he guaranteed it with an oath. What was he doing? He was giving assurance to Old Testament believers. The oath helped them to trust that, yes, God will fulfill this promise. It was for the believers. They could see God is not going to change his mind. He will bring this about. And God was completely faithful. But now we see in Hebrews that God has made another oath. Also for us New Testament believers. He says his son, Jesus Christ, has been appointed by oath to be a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. 
So we know that when God makes an oath like this, he will never change his mind. He's appointed Christ for all times to be our high priest, to be the Savior who will save us from our sins. When you look at this oath, and you can know 100% that, that Christ right now is in heaven. He represents you. You can go to God through him. No, that's, that's what this oath gives us. Because of this oath, we can be more sure that, that Christ is our priest and that Christ is our Savior. We can be more sure of that than anything else on earth. You can be more sure that Christ is your eternal Savior than you can be sure that the sun will rise tomorrow or that you will walk out of this building after this service. It's more sure. And that's because of this oath. And it really is the anchor we need for our souls. That's, how, that's what happened with the oath to Abraham. It was an anchor for his soul. You know, Abraham went through all that time of waiting and adversity and difficulty, but he could remind himself, God has made this oath, he will be faithful, I can count on that promise. And the oath God has given to us about our high priest and savior, it's, it's the anchor we need also. You know, every day we're faced with a battle against sin, we stumble in many ways, we know, yeah, we're unworthy to enter into God's presence, right? We can't go there on our own. But God gave us miserable sinners an anchor. And we can put our confidence in Jesus Christ. He's entered in behind the curtain on our behalf, and we can follow him there. We can follow him there. Perhaps you feel very unworthy to go before God. And so, you don't go to him at all. You know, why go to God if you feel like he's never going to listen to you? And then you might neglect prayer. But remember, it's, it's not a matter of being worthy before God. None of us are worthy. And God knew that we were sinners when he made this oath, appointing his son to an eternal priesthood. So, beloved, do not lose your anger. If you try to find salvation in someone else, you will lose the anchor for your soul. See, if you search the scriptures, you can see God made an oath like this about no one else. No one else in scripture, no one else in history. So hold on to Christ. Hold on to Christ alone. Brings us to our next point. Now, seeing that Jesus Christ has been appointed by God the Father to be our only Savior, the question we need to ask now is, is he up for the task? Is he up for the task? You know, when someone is appointed to an important position, they have that task before them, but we might wonder, are they going to be able to do the job? And we need to know this about Christ, because we, we can see that Christ has been appointed by God is he up for the challenge of saving us? After all, God has made this oath, all our eggs are in one basket. 
But to this question, is Jesus up to the task, we can answer with the most definite yes. Yes, he is up to the task of saving us. Look only at Hebrews 7. Listen to all the qualifications from Hebrews 7. Again, verse 22 says that he's the guarantor of the covenant. He guarantees that the blessings of the covenant will will be brought about. So we can trust him. Christ is not only the guarantor of the covenant, but he's also a priest in the order of Melchizedek. And this detail shows us why Jesus Christ can save us completely. We have to listen to the logic of Hebrews 7. Now, why did God make him a priest in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron? Well, verse 18 says, bluntly, those Levitical priests could not save. That priesthood made nothing perfect. No, that high priest needed to make sacrifices for his own sins, and then he would die and would be replaced by another high priest, and he would offer up these animal sacrifices that could not save anyone. But Christ is not that priest. He came in the order of Melchizedek. Now, the author of Hebrews compares Jesus to the Old Testament figure of Melchizedek, and shows the similarity of their priesthood. He does this to show the power and the perfection of Christ's priesthood. Now, Hebrews 7 says some striking things about Melchizedek might make us wondering who who this Melchizedek person was. It says he's without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life. And when you read that, might sound like the Old Testament figure Melchizedek was this some kind of uh, superhuman person who was immortal. However, that's not what's going on. Scripture is silent about Melchizedek's genealogy, and the author of Hebrews is simply using the silence of Scripture to compare him to the Son of God, who has an eternal nature. You see, when we read Genesis, we can see Melchizedek worked alone. And he appeared to be this towering figure who who even blessed Abraham. Now, of course, Abraham was the most revered person by the Jews, so when Melchizedek is able to bless him, it shows. Okay, this is an important figure, and Christ is like that. He's a single, solitary priest who works alone doesn't need help from anyone. And he is greater than anyone else he meets, even Abraham. So he too can bless those who come to him, those who put their trust in him. And Christ also has a permanent priesthood. That's what verse 24 says. See, God not only swore an oath that Christ had a permanent priesthood, but Christ also rose from the dead. So by his resurrection, Christ will never die again. He has indestructible life in himself. So Christ always lives to intercede for you. He never gets tired of it. He never needs a rest. He never gets old and weak. He never suffers from burnout. And he will never be replaced. So he always always lives to intercede for you. 
And if that were not enough, Hebrews 7 teaches us that Christ has a perfect priesthood. Listen to Hebrews 7, 26 to 28. He is holy. He's innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need to offer sacrifices for his own sins because he has none. And when he offered up himself as a sacrifice, he offered it up once for all. Jesus Christ has been made perfect forever. So he is the perfect Savior. That's why verse 25 says, Christ is able to save to the uttermost those who draw to God through him, draw near to God through him. Save to the uttermost, fully and completely. Saves us everything we need saving from, sin, death, and hell. Hearing that, why would we move away from our Lord Jesus Christ? Why would anyone seek salvation in someone else but Jesus Christ? Verse 25 says he's able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. So come to God. Come to God through your Lord Jesus Christ. You will be saved. You will be saved. Truly, this passage from Hebrews 7 shows us complete salvation is found in Jesus Christ. Yet at times... Again, we might be scared to go to God. Maybe scared to, God, to go to God through Christ. After all, look at him. He is holy. He's innocent. Unstained. Separated from sinners. Exalted above the heavens. We might wonder, why is a person like that going to intercede for me? Why is he going to bother intercede for me? A sinner, someone who's stumbled in sin. Well, maybe you've struggled with that same sin for so long, you think that's it, you know. Christ probably won't want to intercede for me anymore. I've crossed the line too many times. You know, maybe someone else can go to God through Christ, but as for me, no, I'm just too sinful. When we struggle like that, beloved, let's remember that the obedience of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, he did not choose this task for himself. God the Father appointed Jesus to be our Savior, to be our priest. And the Lord swore an oath, will not change his mind, that Christ is a priest forever. And it's a priest's job to intercede for sinners. Do you think Christ would go against this oath? Never. Never. This is his task given to him by God, and Christ is supremely obedient. And so you can know for sure he will always live to intercede for you. He's faithful to his calling, he intercedes for sinners, and he himself provides a payment for our sins. Come to God through Christ. Be saved. 
And when you struggle with doubt, think not only of the obedience of Jesus Christ, but remember the love of Christ. His entire earthly life was spent for other people, for sinners like us, no less. He came to save us. You would think that after a lifetime of service and self-sacrifice, that Christ now in heaven would sit back and relax, saying, it was time for a little bit of me time for once. But he does not do that. No, he's still serving us from heaven. That's the self-sacrificial love of Christ. That's the awesome Savior we have. Remember, Christ showed his love for us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will make sure his sacrifice will not go in vain. He died on that cross. He's going to make sure that the benefits of the cross are going to come to us. And the assurance is ours when we look to Christ in faith. We have a Savior. Beloved, do not let anyone move you from complete and comprehensive salvation in Christ. He truly does save us from all our sins. So stand fast in Him. Amen. Let us now respond to the preaching of God's word by singing together hymn 38.